It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Oh, man. We got to get to a bar and just play this music all day and then talk sports a little bit. If you could find Hickory Wind by the Birds or Graham Parsons, I would love you forever. All right. We're going to do a lot of sports this hour. We're going to, this is going to be wall to wall sports because we've got two great guests, two knowledgeable fellows, and you are on fire on the text line at 1-833-401-1440. So it's time. Joined now by Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. Okay. We see the lineup. It's not exactly the lefty righty that I thought it was going to be. And we've got Gosman pitching who has some trouble against the twins. What do you think, sir? Do you like the lineup? Well, I like Gossman, even though he's had trouble against the Twins, and he's never had what I call a signature postseason start. Um, he's a pro, and that's what I like best about about Kevin Gossman. He's a pro. He might be the most professional guy in the Blue Jays clubhouse. And uh, I think he'll come out. I think he'll be prepared. Um, I'm not saying he's going to win or that they're going to win, but... Uh, this is going to be an interesting series because there's so many things that one team does better than the other team, and it's going to be a question of which team, you know, executes their game, so to speak, you know, over the next two days. One through four, I like Springer, Belt, Guerrero, Bichette, Bichio, uh, like uh, a little high. Do you think maybe, or or because I know why Kirk's not batting there because of the you got to surround him with a little more speed. But is Bichio in the right spot? Well, I have been historically the largest Kevin Biggio doubter for about three years until maybe the last six weeks. And in the last six weeks, he's done two things extraordinarily well. One, get on base. Two, play defense, no matter what position they had him in. And so, A, he can run. B, he gets on base, finds a way to get on. And C, he plays great defense no matter where he's playing, and I presume that's second base today. Um, and and so, yeah, I'd put him there because, frankly, I don't know who else you put there. Okay, um, that's fair. Because almost everybody else that you go at 6, 7, 8, and 9 are guys that have had very inconsistent seasons hitting, have not hit hot streaks. Uh, in the case of Kirk, you can clog up the bases. Um, and, and so, you know, I... I uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like that Varsho-Chapman thing at the bottom. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if either of them actually get anything done, you know, it goes nicely into into Springer and, you know, Belt, Vladdy, and Bichette. Uh, you know, one of the problems the Jays have had all season long, they don't really have a cleanup hitter. They don't have one of those big bopper guys, you know, who, who could hit in the four spot, which is what Guerrero was supposed to be. Um, but it hasn't really turned out that way. And if you can believe this, the Twins have 50 more home runs than the Blue Jays this season. I saw your podcast that you that you put out with. By the way, you're too handsome for the other two guys. You're shaming them. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My wife tells me that all the time. Yeah. I, I, t- I tell her she's blind. <laughs> Well, it's just embarrassing. It really is. I mean, maybe you could just be a black screen. It would be better. But I heard you talking about the the the, the power throughout the lineup uh, for the Twins. But I look at the Jays, and if they're, you know, Flatty's hitting and Bichio's, there's a lot of power there. It just didn't happen this year. No, it did not. Um, 
I'm going to separate Vladdy and Biggio. I, uh, sorry, Vladdy and Guerrero, um, Bichette, because I think Bichette had a terrific year. I he he led he was leading the American League in hits when he got hurt, and then he you know he missed the better part of three weeks, and he led all of Major League Baseball this year in, in opposite field hits. This guy is a professional hitter. He just knows how to hit. And he became a pretty good shortstop this year for the first time. And so, to me, he's as close to an all-star as they have had all season because they haven't really had it in their everyday players, what I would call an all-star lineup. Um, in Vladdy's case, you know, you're talking about a guy who in the 40s in home runs and, you know, 26 now – and you know, in, in you know, huge numbers OPS wise, and, and you know, 200 points behind that now. Um, so we don't really know what Vladdy Guerrero is anymore. And the one thing that this lineup has really struggled with are guys who throw hard and high. Yeah. So if you're talking about, and, I, and you know that Minnesota, you know, what thing about baseball today, everybody over scouts everybody. Yeah. So they're going to know what people can't do. Now it's going to be a question now, can you execute against that kind of thing? Well, Minnesota's going to be throwing high and hard all day long against these guys. And well, low and away. And, and that's, how, that's how you pitch this team. And that's one of the reasons they've had trouble scoring runs all season long. And they've, I think, what, they eighth or ninth in home runs when they were uh, first or second last year is because everybody figured out how to pitch them. And they're not responding very well or haven't responded very well. Steve Simmons, our guest from the Toronto Sun on Sports 1440 Talking Jays. Uh, Guerrero's reaching, like he's lurching. It's like Andres Galarraga when he was young in the major leagues. And and I, like, he straightened it out, but he seems to be, uh, and I, I don't mean to pick on him because I really like him a lot as a ball player, but I, I, I think this this is a really big stage. And if he could hammer a couple of home runs here in the next couple of days, I do think it would answer a lot of questions about Guerrero. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I think one of the things about him is he tries to do too much. And and I think he's caught up a little bit in I'm Vladdy Guerrero, and I'm supposed to do this. And what the Jays, and I'll fault management for this, they never found a guy to hit behind him. They never found, I mean, Bichette should be hitting in front of him, not behind him. They never found a guy to hit behind him that would, if I don't do it, then the next guy's going to hit the home run. Instead, Vladdy takes it all on himself. I have to be the guy. I have to hit the home run. I have to, you know, sometimes if you're Ronald Acuna Jr. and you're hitting 41 and stealing 71 bases, well, you are Superman. You can do whatever you want. But when you're struggling and it's not working and there's nobody behind you to pick you up, I think it weighs on him a whole lot more. And the combination of, him not being able to do it and him not being able to adjust. And I don't know, you know, I'm not a big believer in, in batting coaches, but, who, you know, whoever the batting coach happens to be this week, it hasn't worked well for him or for a bunch of other guys, frankly. But, um, but I think, you know, as you say, it's impossible to dislike Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, he plays baseball with a smile on his face. He's happy to be there every day. He clearly loves the game. But I think inside, he's a bit of a tortured soul. And I think he tortures himself because his expectations or his father's expectations or his family's expectations or somebody's expectations are higher than he's produced. 
You know, ordinarily I'd call you on that, but I agree. Uh, I didn't think of it until you said it, but I do think that that it's like the legacy pressure on him, even though he's young, is is high, and he wears it. Well, especially because in 2021, when they played, you know, half of their games or so in Buffalo, um, his numbers are, you know, off the charts. Now, what we've never been able to sort of determine is how many of those home runs would have been home runs, and because he tends to hit when he hits one out, it, it's a, it's legit. Uh, how many of those would have been home runs um, in other parks, or was he just so relaxed because he was in this little cozy park and it made him feel good? You know that you don't know. I do know he wants to be a star. He wants to be the guy. He loved winning the home run derby. You know, it's too bad John Schneider's not pitching to him tonight. You know, if he, if he had his manager pitching, he, he, he'd be hitting them out. Against Lopez, it may not be so easy. So, I have two pitching questions. I'll start with this one. In middle relief, ideally, with no attention paid to platoon advantage, who who would you bring in in the fifth based on how everybody's performed? If somebody has to come into the fifth or the sixth, who would you bring in based on recent performances? Well, I go backwards the way I count it. I, I give Jordan Romano the ninth. I give... Um, his name now escapes me. The guy that got from St. Louis, Hardzor, um, the eighth inning, and then the sixth and the seventh to me are where it gets interesting. You've got uh, Eric Swanson, you've got Tim Meza, you've got um, um, Jimmy Garcia, and I, I think Garcia would probably be my first guy if he's throwing the way going into the game that I think he can throw. The thing with Garcia is he's either very good or very bad. He tends to be one or the other. Um, the, the sixth and the seventh innings, to me, are the concerns I have with the Jays. I like the eighth and the ninth. I like their starting pitching through five. Um, and, and I think this year, one thing John Schneider will learn, I believe, a mistake he made last year against Seattle, is you've got to go to the wall with Gossman. Like, you've got to go, if there's two outs and there's bases loaded and it's the fifth inning, then you've got to let him get the third out. You don't give the ball to somebody else. And that's what happened last year, and that's what blew up for the Blue Jays in, the, in that horrible loss to Seattle. Jordan Hicks, right? That's what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Um, the other question I have, and I, I ask this only because of the lefty, but if they lose today, who do you come back with game two? And if they win, is it the same pitcher? Well, they say Barrios. They say it's going to be Barrios. You have to announce your starting pitching the day before. That guy tends to do a press conference today. Uh, so they've announced Barrios already. And it would not have been my choice. Um, okay, tell me why, because time. this is important. Tell me why and who. I'm a Chris Bassett fan. Okay. And I'm a Chris Bassett competitor fan, if you understand what I mean by that. I like the fact that this guy seems to be the kind of guy that if, if there's a fight on the field, he's the guy you don't want beside you. And and I like that toughness in him, and I like the fact he threw 200 innings, and I like the fact that he wants the ball in big situations. So what they're doing is they're staying in their rotation. You know, it's Gosman's turn today. You know, tomorrow it's Barrios' turn, and the day after it would be um, 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 
sorry, Bassett's turn, and, and then they go back to Gossman again, although the series will be over after three games. Uh, and the weird thing is, is that the Twins are almost exclusively a left-handed hitting team, and the Jays, you know, you say Kikuchi has had a very good season. Yes. But they wouldn't trust him to start in, in a game like that. They just, they don't have the, even though he, he started 31 games this year, and I think they were uh, 18 and 13 or 19 and 13 in his, 31 games, they were 18 and 13 um, in, in those games. Pretty pretty good record, um, considering that he was a disaster last year. So He'll be the guy you, you'll see come out early if they need to to uh, to go to a long reliever. But I like Bassett better than I like Barrios. I just I like him as a pitcher better. I like him as a competitor better, and I like the fact that he doesn't give up the home run seemingly as easily as Barrios does. And Minnesota is a home run hitting team. So if they lose two and they never get to Bassett, will you hammer them in print? I may hammer them in print before they get to Bassett. <laughs> Depends on, you know what? Here's the here here's here's this group so far. You know, you know, you know. We're talking in Edmonton, where you know what's been the script around the Oilers forever. You know, how good is the team and how far can they go? That's you know the start season's about to start, and that's the script again. Do they have a chance? Can they win? Can they win the Stanley Cup? Is the team good enough? You know, the Blue Jays started this season with the mantra that they're good enough to win the World Series. And they ended the regular season, and players, Jordan Romano told me that on Sunday, and so did so did George Springer, and so did uh, Bo Bichette. They're good enough to win the World Series. Well, being good enough is wonderful. Going out there and doing it is something else. They've had four playoff games under this group. They're 0-4. And three of the four games were messy. So we have not seen any sign yet that they are capable of, of doing what they say they are capable of doing. Now the beauty of a new playoff season, as we'll find out in April with the Oilers and the Maple Leafs and all these teams that are in the same boat, because there's a lot of teams like that, uh, you think you're pretty good, but you got to get out there and do it. And, you know, you need it from your starting pitching and you need it from your bullpen. The thing the Jays have, they have the pitching, they have the bullpen, and they have the defense. The question now is, do they have the offense when it matters? Because they didn't all season long. That was a hell of a preview. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the game. You too. Okay. Steve Simmons from Toronto Star. Excellent guest. (laughs) I thought he would say, I won't hammer them, but they should run Bassett. He goes, I might hammer them anyway. That's a very good answer. Playoff baseball. There's just something in the air. And I, 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 like, I remember... I remember 1981, the Rick Monday game. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember that spring, or the, I'm sorry, the fall. I remember Ray Burris pitching his brains out for the Expos. My God, he was good. He was so good. And, and Woody Fryman's arm fell off and stuff. It just, it rains down news and it's all like either the best thing ever or, or battery acid on your head. That's baseball. I don't know whether I should have said that or not. That's pretty, pretty negative, but it is. It like something will happen today that will, will send you to the moon or straight to hell. And it's on a baseball field and your, your, your heart will sink or rise depending upon what happens. Someone will hit a home run in the eighth inning and you will either be ecstatic 
or you'll turn the TV off and you won't watch for five years. That's why playoff baseball is so important. And you don't even like baseball. Oh, I like baseball. Okay. Not like you, but... Well, I, 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 I'm mad at baseball, but I love the game, so I will watch it, you know. It's a weird bunch of... Have you noticed who's in the playoffs this year? There's a bunch of people missing. Yeah, there are. Like the big boys. Yeah, yeah. The historical big boys, I yeah. should say. Yep. Yeah. So it's a. this is the little window of opportunity. I don't think the Jays should fear anybody. Certainly not until the ALCS. Listen, I will say, if it's not the Jays, it's the Orioles for me. Like $71 million payroll. I think it was the third lowest in the MLB. Yeah, no, they've, they've done a really good work yeah. there. That's for sure. Jays first, but it'd be nice to see the Orioles get it done as well. Well, I'm, I'm cheering for the Expos. When do they play? 1993, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so cruel. You were off by a decade, and it's still cruel. <laughs> 94, they should have won it all, but there yes. was this. The, that was the year. Okay, you know. 94. All right, we're 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 late, but I'll tell you, we're going late to Daniel. Anyway, Daniel Nugent Bowman on the way. We're going to drill down on who the final roster spot should be. Uh, talk about everybody who played well last night, including Xavier Borgo, who's off to Bakersfield, and he'll have a warm winter. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. In South Carolina There are many tall It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Now, that is great music right there, and I thank you for playing that. If you're ever looking for a great country song, any version of it, there's thousands of different versions. But Hickory Wind is real good. Very, very good song. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. We said Doug and Mary today. Hope they're well. Hope you're well. Doesn't it seem to you as though, like, I turned my furnace on a few days ago, and then I thought about turning the AC on the other day. It's like all over Hell's Half Acre temperature. Are you noticing that? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's 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 cool. The cool in the morning, hot in the afternoon, kind of a. It's almost like the sun is making a difference right now. Yeah, you would think. You would think, but uh, no, 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 no. It's good. It's nice. I like it. I like the fall time. Yeah, fall's my favorite time of year. Yeah, me too. I love spring too. Agree with Declan Re Orioles? Yeah. Well, that man has to be yeah. fired. Agreeing with Declan. We need Steve Earle, Guitar Town. Sure. We could play um Suspicious Minds <laughs> Suspicious Minds by Dwight Yoakam. That's a great song with a really good guitar in it. Oilers or Braves will be hard to beat. Orioles or Braves will be hard to beat. I am having a problem with words today. It's starting to become a problem, but I I still think we're we're on the right side of history. <laughs> you are definitely a glass half empty guy. I wish you were my my brand manager for most of my life. <laughs> Back in Expo's therapy for me for Eric. I know I keep bringing it up. The Rick Monday home run is the, a great trigger of my life. I was so upset. I was just heart. I was absolutely heartbroken when that happened. And Dick Enberg said, he'll touch them all. And there went Rick Monday, touching them all. 
it it still hurts. And that was like 1939, 42 years ago. Hey, LT, do you believe letting go of Bukestad was a big mistake? As as big a mistake as I do. Thanks. Keep up the good work from Nils. I think he they, they couldn't afford him. It's the same as Yamamoto or Klim Costin. Those are guys who really contributed a year ago. You'd like to have them and just couldn't afford them. Somebody who control, contributes this year, they because the cap is going up, they should be able to sign some guys. Hey, LT, you didn't mention Tattoo You is one of the best Stones albums. I thought it was a great record. I listen to it all the time after I accepted that Mick Jagger into my life as my Lord and Savior. Uh, I, I Somebody wrote or texted today, do you think the Rolling Stones are the best rock and roll band in history? And I, First of all, rock and roll and history, it's sort of a, that doesn't really work. Rock and roll is not supposed to have a history. The idea of it is that it's immediate and fun and young and, you know, whoever's keeping track. But yes, I think they're the best. Just because of, like, there's so many songs that they've done that are so brilliant, you know. Um, this, the, the, if you pick up an album like Sticky Fingers and you just put it on and the, the amount of great music that's by, and it's, some of it's pure rock and roll, so like just in your face. And then there's Wild Horses and Sway, which is a great song. Moonlight Mile is one of my all-time favorite songs. Like Moonlight Mile, if you listen to the lyrics and the the, the music is like that, it's way better than an average rock and roll band. Like I love Deep Purple, but they could never write or do Moonlight Mile. Stones are great; they just are. And the the album, the song that they have out now, uh, and I don't remember the name of it, um, but if you go online, you can find it. Um, it like Mick Jagger's voice is it, it's like he's it's nineteen seventy eight again. It's like he's singing "Waiting on a Friend," which I think was some seventy four, but it didn't get released till eighty one. It's really good. You'll tell me when we have Daniel, right? I'll let you know. I'll All let right. you know when we got Daniel on the horn. Love that song, Graham Parsons and Emmy Lou. Yeah, that that version was the bird, so it wasn't Emmy Lou, but they do a great job. Can you play Tilsonburg by Stompin' Tom Connors for Twang Tuesday? Well, we'll do it next Tuesday. Do we have any Stompin' Tom in the library? Let me take a look here. It's not easy to... It's, it, it's Bud the Spud from the Great White Mud. Or it's not great hard big to mud. get if uh, we don't. Someone yells, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. I remember yeah, that. We got a couple. We got yeah. a couple Stompin' Tom in here. Yeah, yeah. That's the good stuff. Broberg, Lavoie, Holloway, who... Whose impact is felt most by April? Holloway is very fast. I, I think he's going to, I think he'll play top nine all year and he could score 30 points. Lavoie, I don't think he'll have it. They, Oilers and rookies, they just don't play them a lot. Broberg could because he's a defenseman. I will say potentially Broberg, but more likely Holloway. How's that? You were taking me down memory lane. Yeah, you sent me a chart from 1969. The number one song in 69, Sugar, Sugar by the Archies. In an upset over the honky-tonk women by the Stones. Can you imagine? Like, if you were a true rock and roller and somebody told you in 69, you were probably wearing bell-bottoms and something tie-dye. 
and you, you, somebody says, the number one song is Sugar Sugar, just made it past Hockey Talk Women. You know, you probably weren't, you know, listening anyway, but. Do we have our friend? Daniel Nugent Bowman joining us now. A good man, an all-around fair player when it comes to assessing talent. How are you, sir? I'm well. If we have a little time, I'd like to jump in on your Rolling Stones conversation. Sure. It just fire away, sir. All right. Okay. So we I came from more of a Beatles household, I'll say. But um, um, my, I have a three-year-old daughter, as some of your listeners may know. And uh, there was a day in the summer where a rainbow popped up. And she wanted to hear a rainbow song. So my wife and I thought, what could that be? So She's a Rainbow by the Rolling Stones was the song, and she absolutely loves it. She loves it so much that uh, now every time we go in the car, we have to hear the Rainbow song is what she calls it. So uh, my wife and I are now sick of this song. But, uh, <laughs> we, we, we tried to uh, incorporate a little bit more of the uh, catalog. Sometimes if she's not paying attention or she falls asleep, we get through a few more songs. But uh, usually when the Rainbow song ends, the Rainbow song has to go back on. So uh, it's so that's that's my my big Rolling Stones song. But no, I I, I do like them. I'm a, I'm give me shelter uh, fan too. I heard you talk about that one. But uh, yeah, Rainbow song. Uh, not only that, but it's uh, featured in, in probably in my for my money the best episode of Ted Lasso. Um, so uh, it's it's got a it's got a winning formula for me. Well, and it's also I think it's the kind of song that a child because the lyrics are she comes in colors everywhere she combs her hair she's like a rainbow that would I think appeal to a young person. She just likes rainbows. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm complicating it too much. I think uh, you are. Yeah. S- speaking of rainbows and looking for them, let's start with Raphael Lavoie. Uh, does he make this team, or do you think it's close, or maybe not? I think the sudden uh, the departure over the weekend of Brandon Sutter sure helped. Uh, everyone knows that they're going to carry 12 forwards uh, on this team. And uh, he was in tough just because, um, you know, everyone was pretty transparent that they preferred a center uh, for that option uh, or for that last spot at 12 forward. Um, obviously, that doesn't change anything for LeBlanc. He's not a center. Uh, but it takes away probably the the... I don't want to say the best option, but the most uh, NHL known option, provided he was healthy in Brandon Sutter. So um, now that he's out of the picture, uh, we already saw last game Derek Ryan slide over to center. And I think, although they're not practicing that way, Ryan is back on the wing at uh, practice right now. I, I think you will see um, uh, Lavoie get more looks, as, as you saw at the end of the game. You, you know, he got played very well. He's played well the last two games, especially, and has got some plum ice time. Uh, in the third period the other night with Connor McDavid. So uh, Derek Ryan can play center, and that uh, opens the door, I think, for Raphael Lavoie uh, to make this team as the 12th forward. I think he's, especially with uh, Brandon Sutter gone, I think he's their best option. And Hamlin getting sent down, I know he played a lot and he looks good. My only worry with a guy like Hamlin is that just, you know, the, the lack of offense. You know, he's played 10 games and has nothing, you know, no points in the NHL. But he's a guy we might see back again later. Fair? Yeah, I mean, he could play all four, you know, all four positions, uh, especially left wing and center, uh, can kill penalties. Someone that Jay would cross trust from other time together in Bakersfield. I, I, I think there are some limitations clearly to what James Hamlin, Hamlin can do, uh, just in terms of his size. Uh, maybe not the, the, the fleetest to foot in terms of his skating, but a very smart player. Uh, somebody that, you know, in a pinch 
uh, as he did last year, would have no problem playing a few games here and there uh, to help this team. So uh, provided there are some injuries, or, or I think that would be the most common way or most uh, recognizable way that he would be called up. But I, I think we haven't seen the end of, of Hamlin this year. Daniel Nugent-Bowman, our guest from The Athletic on Sports 1440 in the Lowdown with Low Tide. What do we do with Ben Gleason? Like, I, as a story, he's captivating, and I love it because he's a great story. But, you, you know, as we get closer, there's no room unless Ekholm's hurt. And and yet, you know, he's played so well, sending him down just seems to be like a, 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 a mortal sin. Yeah, it's professional hockey for you, right? Like, uh, there are only so many spots, and there are guys with... with um, you know, multi-year, multi-million dollar contracts that you're not going to push out. And, and obviously, guys at the end of the lineup aren't like that. But, uh, I mean, you could send down Philip Broberg uh, as a guy who still has uh, the ability to go uh, to, to not go on waivers, excuse me. Um, but I, I really don't think that's happening. And, and as to your point about Ekholm, he'd have to be really hurt, which we don't believe that he is, because uh, even putting, you know, uh, putting an, on IR doesn't clear any money up, so he'd have to be go on long-term injury, which would cause him to miss 10 games and 24 days, which would be a very uh, tough start to the year for the Oilers with that type of player I'm missing. So I really don't see a way that um, that Ben Gleason makes this team, but uh, he has, you know, he's probably like their maybe even their eighth defenseman right now, maybe, yeah. maybe even ahead of Marcus Niemelainen. So. Um, that's you know some for somebody that was just signed uh you know to be a basically a minor league guy uh, you know to your point about hamlin uh, there's a real opportunity for a guy like ben gleason uh to play games in the nhl if, if somebody gets uh you know if, if somebody does require ltir this year daniel uh, jack campbell's played really well two games in a row now and he does seem to be very confident and i know it's not regular season there are some non-nhlers still out there but if he could lift them and and approach even nine fifteen save percentage, what kind of a story could he write in year two with the Oilers? Oh my God! I mean, that would be <laughs> unbelievable uh, and a, certainly a welcome change compared to year one, right? I mean, I think he was eight eighty eight last year uh, by almost every statistical measure that you could uh, come up with. He was you know bottom five goalie in the league, and and this could be a little bit of a carryover from from the playoffs last year where. Um, I, you know, I'm certainly one that I don't think it would have been the best idea for him to start. Uh, I, I think, you know, he, he was, you know, kind of a lost cause at that point based on his year. But his mop of work, uh, he played almost two games worth, and uh, you know, going in in overtimes and one, uh, you know, overtimes and stuff. Uh, but I think it was 118 minutes. It was, I think it was a 960 something save percentage. So, um, very small sample size, clearly but certainly much better than what he had done at any point, really, in the season. Uh, the last two games, to your point, Al, have been tremendous for him, uh, both in Calgary and in, um, in Seattle uh, last night. And um, usually road games are a lot tougher um, uh, in the preseason. And, you know, there's tougher uh, lineups that, that he's the, the goaltender and the, uh, the, the team is facing. And uh, credit to Campbell. I mean, so far he's looked very good. And if they can get, you know, nine ten, nine fifteen goaltending out of him, plus, you know, logically there there might be a little bit of regression from Stuart Skinner. But if they're both around nine ten, I mean, I, I I really like this team's chances. 
Uh, final area for you, Daniel. I always like to push waivers as being a major event, and often it is not. And there have been some good names on waivers that weren't claimed. The Oilers, Ken Holland, I believe in August, had mentioned to you and others about the idea of checking the waiver wire. Do you think it's a, a little late for that? It's a bridge too far now? Or do you think there might be something still out there that would interest the Oilers, say, a right-handed center if he dropped in their lap? I mean, that would be the type of guy, I think, really, uh, right-handed centerman. Uh, who that guy is, I, I don't know. But to our, you know, to the beginning of this conversation, if they're bringing in a right-hand centerman, uh, that doesn't spell good news for Raphael Lavoie. Again, unless somebody is really injured to go on LTIR, uh, that means probably Raphael Lavoie is not making this team. So um, I think they're going to need that player at some point this year, that right-handed centerman. They're, they're probably going to need another guy because I don't think they're going to be running – uh, McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, and uh, McLeod down the gut. I, they see Ryan McLeod as their third center, uh, and I think they really see Nugent Hopkins as a winger right now. So they, they do need a fallback option there at, at center, uh, preferably a right-handed. So I don't think they need that guy right now. If he if he fell in their laps, perfect. Uh, obviously, he'd have to come pretty cheap, but um, I, I think you're probably going to see that guy come uh, later in the year as opposed to uh, sometime in the next week or so. Final question on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being no pulse, 10 being I've been running around the blocks since 6 a.m. How excited are you to watch the Jays this afternoon? I don't know if I'm going to be able to. <laughs> I got to work and uh, pick it up, uh, you know, my daughter for daycare, and then uh, it's all hands on deck um, uh, with two kids after that. So uh, <laughs> I'll probably catch a few, <laughs> probably catch a few pitches. But uh, I heard you guys, uh, one of your uh, listeners, uh, write in about playoff times in the afternoon. Um, I don't know if that works in my favor or not. But, yeah, it is strange that the MLB does that. Um, it's probably not going to work in my favor today. But I'm not even sure the rest of the schedule. I know they've got a, you know, the potential to play uh, as many as three games in the series. And uh, there's probably a better chance of me watching another day than today. Well, I, in honor of you, in the seventh inning stretch tonight, I'm going to play She's Like a Rainbow by the Stones. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> I got, we got ourselves a deal here. Daniel, have a great one. Thank you. All right. Take care, Al. All right. That's our friend Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. Until he's a good dad. You know, I remember my friend Cynthia when, when my wife was pregnant with uh, our first child. Um... I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch all the baseball games. And she said, Al, you won't watch any baseball game all the way through. It just can't happen. And she was right. You know, you because life changes. But for the better, it really does. Kids are the best. I mean, even your parents say so. Declan. I don't know if they say that about me, but they say it to somebody. Well, you've got your one sister's like a star, yeah, and your other ridiculous. brother is going to be a star, and so are you. Oh, thank you. You're a big star. I don't think I can compare to those two, but one's four. Oh, come on now. So he just has the cute thing going for him. He has to grow into it a little bit. We'll but see what he can do. But. You are building your media empire from here, and soon you'll be, you know... Waystar Deco. Uh, Krugarius Industries. <laughs> I like that, too. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Your comments, you've got a ton of them, a lot on the stones. I think I derailed the show. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Jason Greger coming up. This is the time in the show when I remember that I ask our friend Declan to tell us what's coming up on Jason's show. And then you hear some mad typing. And then he goes, oh, I have that for you. 
And uh, so we are here. Uh, what's coming up on no, Jason's show? No typing today. I am prepared as ever. Great show <laughs> on the Jason Greger show today. As always, coming up at the top of the hour, Carrie Joseph going to be on at 2.20. My quarterback, by the way, watched him win a Grey Cup with my own two eyes in 2007. We'll always have love for him. Alexis Downey, Anaheim Ducks pre- and post-game host, is going to be on at 2.40. Sean Brown former Edmonton Oiler, of course, is going to be co-hosting uh, from 3 to 5. Dave McCarthy, 3.20. Strud's on. Struddy's back. 4.20. Yeah, we love, love him. Speck is going to be on at 5. Derek Van Deest at 5.20. And the Play Alberta picks with Connor Halley, 5.40. So good show, as always. Well, he does a great job. And there's a lot of good guests in there. They're all fabulous. I'm just looking at the text line. went crazy. Far Away Eyes, probably the best Stones country song ever. I'm going to give you this. This is a gift to you if you're a Stones fan. All right? Because these are the greatest country songs ever done by the Stones. Wild Horses, Country Honk, which we heard, Dead Flowers, Far Away Eyes, and Torn and Frayed, which is a fantastic... Please go listen to it. You've forgotten about it. It's on an album with... 75 good songs, but Torn and Fried, Fried is really good. Torn and Fried would have been good, too. But here's the one. You need to Google or to go to Spotify or whatever you go to, and it's called No Spare Parts. It's a song that was released many years after it was recorded. I think it was recorded in like 77, 78, somewhere in there. And, and there's two different versions, um, and, but they're both fantastic. No Spare Parts by the Stones. That is my gift to you. I'm glad you guys talk about more than sports. It's more interesting. 90% sports is about right. We're about, what, 30? Oh, I was going to say like 25 <laughs> on our best days. Uh, come on. We'll give us we're, we're, we're fine. We're all good. It's all good. Um, so last night something happened, and it doesn't often happen, and I want to draw attention to it because we've got a few minutes. So here's the deal. The Oilers spent most of training camp really slow playing the kids. They, they it's, a, it's kind of like a version of tough love. Raphael Lavoie wasn't getting a lot of love. He was playing uh, with, with you know, AHL guys and borderline NHL guys, but he wasn't getting the, he wasn't get the pure fire, clean air of Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. And it's a test. It's a test of, is this guy going to respond? And and I do think Lavoie did respond. That goal he scored in Winnipeg, but even more than that, he was hitting people, he's moving his legs, he was a bit of a bully, he's a big man, 6'5", 2-something. He can hit. And so Lavoie, you know, he wasn't overwhelming, but he pushed, and he tried, and he really, really was working hard. And last night, later in the game, third period, he and Dylan Holloway were moved up to the Conor McDavid line. Now you can go a lot of training camps without seeing that. And I think that's, I think that was a reward for a hard push under some difficult circumstances because fans see it and they go, Oh, they're burying Lavoie. But the coaching staff is saying, look, he's going to be playing third and fourth line guys. Gregor was talking about it yesterday. He, he was just saying, you know, why are you going to play him up? Because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to play there during the regular year. And that's fair. But I think last night was Jay Woodcroft's reward to Raphael Lavoie and Dylan Holloway. And Borgo ended up rewarding the coach. And then they sent him out. But that 
you can go a long time, I mean a long time, and not see guys who are real prospects, but not not number one overall picks, not top five picks, perform that well. Borgo's two goals were fantastic. Holloway was flying. And Lavoie didn't score, but he, he had the puck going in a good direction, as did Philip Broberg. That was a good night for the young players of the Edmonton Oilers. And I bet you the procurement department is pretty damn happy right now. You know, you draft guys, and I've talked to scouts. Scouts, sometimes scouts get so mad at the NHL head coach they can barely breathe because they're ruining my guy, right? Well, last night, I think the scouts and the coaches probably could have had a beer together. I remember one year when Craig McTavish... I don't remember the year. It happened twice, and I don't remember the year. Anyway, what would happen is Kevin Lowe is the GM, and he would come out and go, you know, I don't see how Jason Chimera misses, you know, making the team. He's so talented. He's so fast. When I watch him, I go, this is a real talent. And every year, Craig McTavish would send him down. So there are disagreements between management and coaching staffs, and the coach, because it's his team, and he's the guy who's going to get fired if it doesn't work out, coach usually wins the day. I think last night, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, maybe Holland will trade him tomorrow, or maybe they have other plans, but I think Lavoie got the seal of approval from the coach, as did Dylan Holloway. We'll see. What would you think of a Holiday Holloway McLeod Lavoie line? I would like it, but where's Warren Fogle? I like that line, but I, I don't want Fogle on the fourth line. Far Away Eyes, best Stones Country song from Jim. It's good. It's real good. And it's about Bakersfield, too. Low Tide, since you're talking about music, what would be your walk-up song for baseball and goal song for hockey? Um, and for fun, UFC fight from Martin. Um, well, for, for my walk-up song for coming in from the bullpen, it would be Bitch by the Stones. It's got a great line. Just a real, like the, the first part of it, and then the horns come in. I, I mean, even if I was a crappy pitcher, people would be excited about that. Um, goal song. You know what? Is it goal song that I've always liked, or at least song that they played at the game? Is it California Love? Is that what it's called? Do you know that song? By Tupac? I don't know what it's California who does it. Yeah, I like yeah. that song. So I would do that. And then UFC, I don't know, Street Fighting Man by the Stones or, you know. What about you? I think, well, the one I've thought about the most is a boxing entrance song or slash UFC entrance song. And I think I would do The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, that's a really yeah. but the bass line yeah. right in the middle of it. Because that one makes me feel like I can run through a brick wall and sell out MSG. A goal song? Wow, that's a good... I, I, I'm i stunned at that yeah. good selection there. Yeah, Not that it, you don't have great ta- taste, but that's a that for you, that's a pull, and well done. Thank you, I appreciate that. I think my walk-up song for baseball would be Run This Town by Jay-Z, Rihanna, and Kanye. And my goal song? It's got to be a fun one. It's got to be a fun one. I, maybe Down Under by Men at Work. <laughs> I just think that'd be electric to hear after I score a goal. And then people could buy a Vegemite sandwich. We just, Yeah, a Tuesday promotion. Every time Declan scores, get a free Vegemite sandwich. Vegemite sounds so bad, and yet I have somebody I follow on on Twitter who's from Australia, and they say they it's really good. Oh, I like it. I used to eat Vegemite all the time as a kid. What's, it, what's it made out of? It's like a, it's a yeast. It's like yeast and vinegar. 
a yeast paste. So good sounding. So good. I used to have it on toast all the time. When I was sick, I would have marmite on toast, Vegemite on toast with some chicken noodle soup. Um, still one of my favorite meals. Comfort but, meal. By the way, I'm starting to drink. Uh, uh, drink. I'm starting to eat that uh, Lansky jam. I had strawberry and lavender jam this morning. Oh, my God. So good. So good. One day, I would just eat jam all day, and I won't come in. I'll just send photos. That's not not a bad day, honestly. <laughs> no, it really isn't. Uh, let's say Broberg doesn't pan out as much as required. What are you packaging with him and for who? I'm thinking Ekholm type trade for someone with a year or two. Uh, I think I think you want a right-handed. If you're going to cash Broberg, you want a right-handed defenseman of the same vintage and somebody that you can maybe control for a year or two. That's my guess. I don't know who that is, but that's my guess. If you're going to cash him in, you got to go get a right-handed defenseman. Unless it's for Connor Hallibuck, and then all bets are off. You know who's still there? Phil Kemp. That guy is still going. I don't think people really appreciate how rare a player Lavoie is. His package, his, his size package with his skill is a tantalizing package. A lot of packages in there. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he's, and also his release, Scott Wheeler wrote some great pieces in the draft year of, that's 2019, of Lavoie. And he really reflected how how potentially gifted this guy's guy is. Now he may not make it, but and he is an all or nothing kind of bet. But if he makes it, it's it's going to be big, and he's going to get a shot this year, I believe, based on you know Daniel said it. Sutter retiring was a a boon for him. Boon is that right? Is that the right word to use there? Boon. Yes, a thing that is helpful or beneficial. Boon. I always like to educate myself, and I guess today others, about where, when I just, because they come out of the Rolodex, and maybe I haven't fired them into the ether for 15 to 20 years. You got to check and make sure you're not just lying to people. Declan. That, that's not me who you just described. Someone Could else. you at least play some Doobie Brothers on Twitter? Well, they're not really country. The doobies are maybe black water would be, but nothing else. I can't think of anything. I see a ton of Tage Thompson in Lavoie. There's there are similarities for sure. The only spare parts I can find is Bruce Springsteen. It's called No Spare Parts. No Spare Parts. Rolling Stones. And and if it's not on Spotify, then try YouTube. Where do you get your music on the outside? Mostly Spotify. I have Spotify and Apple Music, but uh, mostly Spotify. No. Marmite taupe on toast is dope. Is this true? Yeah. Marmite, Marmite on toast is great. Like I said, I used to eat it with chicken noodle soup all the time. When the show's over today, which is unfortunately right now, I recommend you go home and you try out a little bit because it is great. Well, I won't be doing that because I don't have any at home and I'm not buying any. Because I, you know, I only buy stuff I know I like. That's I'm at that point in my life. And I don't buy the big can anymore either. All right. We really enjoyed today. I had a great time. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Rolling Stones Sports Talk Show. Uh, <laughs> Jason Greger's next. And right now it's time for a sports update. This is a sports 1440 update. 
One last time for me before the Jason Greger Show at the top of the hour. News for the Edmonton Oilers is Xavier Borgo has been assigned to Bakersfield. Seth Griffith and James Hamblin also on waivers for the purpose of assignment. MLB playoff action gets going today. It is the Rangers and the Rays right now in the bottom of the third. Rangers lead that one one nothing, And the Blue Jays in action just after 2.30. Kevin Gossman getting the game one assignment. George Springer is going to be batting lead. AJHL action tonight. Three games on the slate. It's White Court and Camrose, Okotoks in Drumheller, and Bonneville in Blackfalls. All games going at 7 p.m. And you can watch all of those on flowhockey.tv. Oil Kings in action tonight in Prince Albert versus the Raiders. Game goes at 7 through 4 games this season. The Oil Kings sit at 2-1-1 with a shootout loss. New edition of the CIS Men's Football Rankings. No change for the Golden Bears following their win on Friday against the Rams. They're still at number 9. I'm Declan Kruger, and this has been your Sports 1440 Update.